When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined once again by Ryan Pryor for part two of what's it, what even is the theme of this episode? What's the best way to? Um, JFK does Vietnam. No, uh, it is uh, JFK foreign policy, but it's like so focused on Vietnam. J, uh, J- Cold War president. J- JFK, the Vietnam vixen. Mm, no. Uh, what? Help me think of what this is so I can know how to title these. <sighs> JFK. Right? No, that's dumb. Really? Yes. Ouch. How? Like that's like. <laughs> My diagram one just cried. I, well, I'm sorry. That's like that's like being like, what kind of flavor ice cream do you want? And you being like, I want vanilla. Ew. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I can no, accept that uh, criticism. J. 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 Um. JFK and the Vietnam, no. Ich bin ein Vietnam. Do you know, I saw a TikTok about that statement that he said, and someone actually broke down what oh. he said, and he said something about a jelly donut from his pronunciation. Oh. Yeah. Somebody you would have thought that. that would have been LBJ. Thank you, you to know. whoever sent me that. I remember because watching it Because he was so laughing. portly. Oh, we got to talk about LBJ in this episode a little bit. LBJ, you say? Yes. You mean my shocking. second favorite president? How on God's green earth? It makes no sense. Who's your uh, first? Wait, let me guess. Oh, is it? John F. Kennedy, JFK. The F stands for foreign policy. Ooh, that's terrible. Um, no. Wait. Uh, wait, no. I'm trying to think. guess your favorite president. I, I know you've told me this before, but I forget. Okay, what time period of our... Like don't give a year, but like what? What do you? What do you? Say that again. What? What time period was your favorite president in? My favorite president? Yeah, I'm trying to guess. 1901, it. 1901 to 1912. Oh, isn't that Theodore Roosevelt? Yes. Okay, well that was easy. That oh, that's so cliche. Everybody likes it's Theodore not Roosevelt. Cli- oh, uh, sorry. That's my uh, opinion. That's Allison's opinion. <laughs> I'm totally using that. I'm not even joking. Well, okay, we'll think of a name. I'm going to come up with a name. It always happens. I will come up with one throughout this thing. There is this great line from uh, a great uh, book called The Things They Care. No, no, it's not The Things They Carry. I'm sorry. It's from the first line of Apocalypse Now, and it's just Saigon. <laughs> shit. And it's just a, just a, just a phrase, everybody. Saigon. Shit. Um, That'll be the title of the episode. All right, I so speaking worry, of Saigon. Wait, wait, wait. I got to say one thing. I always worry that when we start a part two, because we've already been talking for like an hour, and then we talk before the podcast too, just like catching up. So I always worry that we're not going to have banter at the beginning of part two, that we'll just get right into it. And we always somehow find some shit to talk about. You're talking <laughs> about no the, you're, we're the, we're the king and queen of banter. We, we, gotta, we got, we got banta. We do. We got um, it. Speaking of banter. Oof. Banter starts with B, banter starts with B and so does Buddhist. Oh, um, is it Buddhist or Buddhist? It's Buddhist. I don't know that I agree with that. 
I've, well, I've, I've heard it pronounced Buddhist my whole life. Now, I am a Southern gal, so I don't know if it was mispronounced, but you are a Southern gent, so I'm wondering. It is, I believe it is Buddhist. Caroline? Bu- yeah, ask her. Is it Buddhist or Buddhist? I think, I think, I think either it works. But no, anyway. what did she say? What did she say? I couldn't hear. She said Buddhist. Yeah, there it is. My girl. I don't girl. like this. I don't like this. Buddhist. So anyway, the Buddhists. Um, as you might recall, the DM government was um, basically brutally criminalizing Buddhism, um, making uh, basically uh, just sort of treating them as second-class citizens, uh, dragging them from their homes, and uh, taking away their rights, and things like this, which is, I, I mean, a weird thing to consider since it was Vietnam, but you got to remember that DM was a, a product of French imperialism in Vietnam. This all comes to a head in uh, 1963 when a guy by the name of, and I, I again, like I said, I do not want to get this wrong. It's pronou- I'm going to pronounce it Thick Quang Duck. I will it insert is- the pronunciation right now. Thick Quang Duck. And uh, this all came to a head uh, when he decided to self-immolate. Now, do you know, Kennedy Dynasty listeners and Allison, what self-immolation is? I don't, but I hate when you quiz me because it makes me feel stupid. I feel like after you'll say it, I'll know it. What is it? Um, basically, one day in nineteen sixty, in June of nineteen sixty-three, Wait, a duck emulate. Wouldn't that mean that he wanted stealth emulate? Oh, emulate. Okay, All right, go ahead. I don't know. One day, duck in June of nineteen sixty-three walked into an intersection in Saigon, sat down on the ground, poured a gallon of gasoline on his head, and lit himself on fire. Oh my God! And there's an incredible. There's a picture of this. It's pretty famous. Um, it's it's and it's uh, just it's him sitting in there burning to death. Um, and uh, that it, and he did it as a protest of the DM government. Uh, and this went. This is one of the. This is one of. This is one of the first viral photographs uh, of history. Every newspaper in the United States picked it up across the world. It was on TV. It was huge. It really brought a lot of light to the DM government's oppression of Buddhist people. Immolation is one of those terms that only gets used. A little bit in history. There's also the term that it's a cool one, historically speaking, because it doesn't happen all that often, although it does happen a couple of times significantly, this being the most significant. There's also the term defenestration, and this is just a side thing. It means to be thrown out a window. Oh, how do you know what that is? How do you know what these are, honestly? Because most famously, it happened in Prague, and it began the Hundred Years' War, my love, the defenestration of Prague, 30 Years' War. 30 years war, 30 years war, 30 years war. No, they won't. I, it's European history. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done European history in quite a long time. You two are the most brilliant couple I've ever known. Like Jeffrey and I talk around, sit around and talk about like dachshunds in Disney World. I, I looked at my dachshund. That's what made me think of that. What was the big one? What was the big defenestration? Um, the 30 years war was the second defenestration. That's the one I'm thinking of. The third defenestration of Prague began the Thirty Years' War. There were two other defenestrations to speak of, but no other immolations at the time. I actually don't know that, but they didn't have gasoline. So this was in the 1600s. If you'd have tried to to self-immolate in the 1600s, you'd probably have to pour like whale oil on you. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Can you imagine someone just pouring oil? Yes. That's how they used to light their lamps before they discovered oil, petroleum, like petroleum oils. They would take whale fat and they would melt it down and then it would be used as okay my question fuel. is when are you guys going on jeopardy i don't want to go on jeopardy now that um my man is dead oh, plus they right. screwed up the whole the, they screwed up the, everything the lavar re, burton yeah. 
I ran a campaign on Instagram. I'm sure Allison remembers this. I spent a whole week trying to make sure that LeVar Burton was the next host of uh, Jeopardy. And then those mother truckers decided to just completely F it up. And so I'm boycotting Jeopardy for a while. Okay, but I also want to note that Ryan has spectacular Instagram stories. They really just capture the moments that he's I in. am very funny online. Sure, but the issue is... He doesn't know how to Instagram, so he ran this campaign, and finally on day, let's say, four of seven, I'm like, hey, you probably need to tag Jeopardy so they see this. Like, yeah, you're literally I do, I posting did. it out, and then I it just wasn't wanted my, I don't have a lot of followers, guys, um, and, and I, I, but I am so funny online. Like, I am absolutely hilarious, um, mm. and, and uh, it's, a treat, it's a treat to follow me. Yeah, I did not know how to tag Jeopardy. Still don't. Honestly, I think I, you, you know, whenever, even wrote back, how do I do that? And I was like, whenever, uh. whenever people repost stuff onto their stories and it's like a still image of like a video, I don't know how to get to that. I don't know how people get to that. You I don't it. understand. I even put tap to watch. So people like you will know you tap the video and it takes I've you tried that. It doesn't work. It just goes you to the next to, video because you don't tap the direct thing. Just tap on the video a couple times. It'll pop up. It'll take you. I'm to not. That's just too complicated. This it's is painful. Not, I mean, okay. honestly, Caroline raised her hand. Yes. The earliest recorded self-immolation was in 396 AD by a Chinese monk. How did he do it? Whale oil. It's interesting. She said it was interesting we should ask. He publicly swallowed incense chip, wrapped his body in oiled cloth, and chanted while setting fire to himself. This is making me in pain. Not sure why. Well, I think you're not as nearly as much in pain as thick Kwong Duck. I think you're correct. This That's terrible. This man's name was Fei Yu. So... Wow, this this got dark. Um, so uh, basically, Kennedy after this this incident, Kennedy reached out to the DM government and pleaded with him to stop the persecution of Buddhists. But DM instead doubled down on the persecution of Buddhists, declaring martial law in August of 1963, um, which is the trouble with dictators. Uh, oh, actually, this is act. That's a great title, "The Trouble with Dictators." That's a good one. Okay, nailed it. J JFK and the Trouble with Dictators. Love it. That's a hell of a book. Ryan's next book. I'm high fiving. He's high fiving there. Yeah. And my dog. Hello, Hugo. Okay. <laughs> there soon became rumblings that there was going to be a coup in Saigon because when you declare martial law, you tend to make a lot of enemies. And so on August 24th, 1963, a cable, it's called Cable 243, was sent to the U.S. Ambassador of South Vietnam. Man's name was Henry Cabot Lodge. Mm hmm. Henry Cabot Lodge, who you may have heard of. And basically, it supported the coup of President Diem. I'm going to insert a clip of a personal recording that JFK made talking about the situation in Vietnam on November 4th of 1963. This is courtesy of the JFK Library. Uh, listen closely, though, because you can hear John Jr. joining the conversation at the end, and it's super cute. Monday, November 4th, 1963. The uh, Over the weekend, the uh, coup in Saigon took place. Culminated uh, three months of... Uh, Conversation about a coup, comma, conversation which divided the government here and in Saigon. Opposed to a coup was uh, General Taylor, the Attorney General, Secretary McNamara, to a somewhat less degree, John McCone, partly because of an old hostility to Lodge, which causes him to lack confidence in Lodge's judgment, comma, partly to as a result of a new hostility, because the Lodge uh, shifted his station chief, semicolon, in favor of the coup was state, 
led by Abel Harriman, George Ball, Roger Hillsman, supported by Mike Forrestal at the White House. I uh, feel that uh, we must bear a good deal of responsibility for it, beginning with our cable of early August, in which we suggested the coup. Period, in my judgment, that wire was badly drafted. Comrade should never have been sent on a Saturday. I uh, should not have given my consent to it without a roundtable conference in which McNamara and Taylor could have presented their views. Uh, while we did redress that balance in later wires, it, that first wire encouraged Lodge along a course to which he was, in any case, inclined. Hawkins continued to oppose the coup on the ground that the military effort was doing well. There was a sharp split between Saigon and the rest of the country. Politically, the situation was deteriorating. Militarily, it had not had its effect. There was a feeling, however, that it would. For this reason, Secretary McNamara and General Taylor supported applying additional pressures to Zem and Nu in order to move them. Why do the leaves fall? Why does the snow come on the ground? Because Why do the leaves turn green? Because spring. And where do we go to Cape Transport? It's summer. I was uh, shocked by the death of Zim and New. I'd met Zim with Justice Douglas many years ago. He was an extraordinary character. While he became increasingly difficult in the last months, nevertheless, over a 10-year period, he'd held his country together, maintained its independence under very adverse conditions. The way he was killed made it particularly abhorrent. The question now is whether the generals can stay together and build a stable government, or whether Saigon will begin to turn on public opinion in Saigon, the intellectual students, etc., will turn on this government as repressive and undemocratic in the not too distant future. Basically, the thing was is the United States government took on the position, or at least unofficially took on the position, that Diem was needed to replace his brother, who was basically in charge of Diem's like sort of like secret police and everything, who was barbaric, and if not, he was gone. And uh, Kennedy later met with the um, advisors, with his advisors, and expressed reservations about supporting the coup and whether or not the United States should even continue its involvement with the coup because they didn't want to destabilize the region and they didn't want their names being attached to it and they didn't want all these other things. But again, this is an example of sort of a young president. And, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest criticisms of Kennedy is that he was sort of often caught in, you know, a crossroads, not, not knowing what decision to make. I don't know whether that was of his own doing or not. But And so in September of 1963, Kennedy granted two different interviews, uh, one to Walter Cronkite. Mr. President, the only hot war we've got running at the moment of is, of course, the one in Vietnam, uh, and we've got our difficulties there, quite obviously. Uh, the headline and the story in the New York Times yesterday morning was rather an interesting one. It said that uh, 
administration will try diplomacy in Vietnam, which uh, I'd assume we've been trying all along. Uh, what can we do in this situation, which uh, seems to parallel other uh, famous debacles of uh, dealing with unpopular governments in the past? Well, in the first place, we ought to realize that Vietnam has been at war for 25 years, and uh, the Japanese... Years. I remember a good many uh, people who said uh, two years ago that it wouldn't last six months. A good many uh, newspapers said that. Uh, a good many local correspondents said it. Well, it's still, the war is still going. In many ways, it's going better. That doesn't mean, however, that the events of the last two months aren't very ominous. I don't think that uh, unless a greater effort is made by the government to win popular support, that, that the war can be won out there. In the final analysis, it's their war. They're the ones who have to win it or lose it. We can help them. We can give them equipment. We can send our men out there as advisors, but they have to win it, the people of Vietnam, against the communists. We're prepared to continue to assist them, but I don't think that the war can be won unless the people support the effort. And in my opinion, in the last two months, the government has gotten out of touch with the people. The repressions against the Buddhists, uh, we felt, were very unwise. Now, uh, all we can do is to make it very clear that we don't think this is the way to win. It's my hope that this will become increasingly obvious to the government, that they will take steps to try to bring back popular support for this very essential struggle. But these people who say that uh, we ought to withdraw from Vietnam are wholly wrong, because if we withdrew from Vietnam, the communists would control Vietnam. Pretty soon, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Malaya would go, and all of Southeast Asia would be under the control of the communists and under the domination of the Chinese. And then India, Burma would be the next target. So I think we should stay. We should make it clear, as Ambassador Lodge is now making it clear, that while we want to help, we don't see a successful ending to this war unless the people will support it. And the people will not support the effort if uh, the government continues to follow the policy of the past two months. I hope that will be clear to the government should be. After all, they've been conducting this struggle for 10 years, and uh, I admire what the president has done. He's been counted out a number of times. I'm hopeful that he will come to see that uh, they have to reestablish their relationship. Do you but think we ought to remember that they're the ones who are dying by the thousands, and uh, they're the ones who have to win this war, or they're the ones who will lose it. We can't do either. We can assist them to win it, and we can warn them against losing it. But the United States is not the... We don't have troops in the in mass who are dying by the thousands and uh, uh, we do the best we can to make it clear what policy they should follow but they have to decide it who you may know as uh, probably the most trusted news anchor of the last 50 years mm -hmm. uh you know most famous for his phrase and that's the way it is and that's the way it is and then another one with david brinkley and this is on cbs and nbc has our government in any way been tardy in recognizing the the nature of the Xiam government, you think? Well, where the Xiam government is there, it's been there a decade. Uh, and as I've said, uh, for the last two years, in our opinion, the military opinion out there, General Hawkins and others, the struggle was going better. So that uh, it's pretty hard. We don't want to carry on a direct assault upon the government. Uh, we can't, uh, we have to deal with the government that is there. What has concerned us is the events of the past two months do not give us as great an assurance for success in the struggle uh, as uh, was true up till uh, May and June. Now we are attempting to uh, use our influence to uh, bring the situation back to what it was. 
And both times he was asked about Vietnam. And uh, after the Cronkite interview, and there was a clip of, of his answer uh, concerning the situation in Vietnam with the DM administration, and that clip was then sent to Henry Cabot Lodge, who was told, quote, this represents the official U.S. position on Vietnam. Oof. Yeah, so basically the official, uh, basically it, it took until a, a TV interview for Kennedy to basically clarify the United States' official position on Vietnam. Sure, and I'll probably also, I may have already done it in this episode, but I'll probably sprinkle in a couple different uh, press questions and stuff that he answered about Vietnam in general, too. Yeah, so. that'd be a good idea. But basically, Kennedy did think ultimately that we should stay in Vietnam and 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 figure out a way to, to deal with the aftermath of the overthrow of, of of the dim um, government uh, because it would make it easier for the communists if we left, basically. Again, foreign policy. Whatever would make it harder for communists, that's what we wanted to do. And so he met later with Secretary of Defense McNamara and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and uh, sent them off to Vietnam. So they went off to Saigon. They went to South Vietnam. And in their public report, they noted that by the end of 1963, if all went well, more than a 1,000 military personnel could be withdrawn if things were done properly. But, of course, we know that that wouldn't happen. And on November 1st, 1963, South Vietnamese government was overthrown. Diem government was overthrown. And Diem was assassinated in the last few weeks uh, of his life. Kennedy himself, before he was assassinated, he wrestled with the idea of what to do with the remaining 16,000 military personnel who were in Vietnam. And the question as to whether Kennedy would have escalated that tension, as Johnson did, is still a hotly debated topic by historians today. You know, those leftover 16,000 troops turned into over 500,000 troops by the time uh, 1971 rolled around. So within seven years' time, the United States had, you know, half a million soldiers, you know, in Vietnam, and over 55,000 American soldiers would die, not to mention the countless Vietnamese soldiers, the countless citizens of, of South Vietnam, and and I mean, the millions of Cambodians and the Cambodians who are still dying to this day from unexploded ordnance left over from the Vietnam War. And so, yeah, it's a question. Would Kennedy, if he had been alive, decided to de-escalate situation, the situation in Vietnam? Who knows? Um, he would have been facing an election year for sure. And so there's probably political points for removing troops out of Vietnam. But then there's also the consideration that, you know, if you look weak on communism, all of a sudden, here come the Republicans and they mm -hmm. are saying... Kennedy week on communism. Look how he let South Vietnam fall to the communists. Now, all of, now it's just a matter of time before all of Southeast Asia falls to communism, and we'll have no influence there. So, question: in in your opinion, why do you think that the Vietnamese War escalated so much and so quickly during LBJ's presidency? Because of the fact that the North Vietnamese communists had a vested interest in reunifying the country. That was the only thing they wanted to do. Ho Chi Minh, the communist leader of North Vietnam, his sole purpose was to reunify North and South Vietnam together. He believed that was imperative. And so had we not involved ourselves, it would have happened. It would have mm -hmm. happened just as it did in 1975 when they became one country under communist rule. We knew for a fact that if we weren't there helping the South Vietnamese, specifically the, the government of Diem, and then eventually the, the next government that came around, that it would fall to communism. Yeah, I wanted to share, too, that Kennedy said another quote from him from JFK Library. In September of 1963, President Kennedy declared in an interview, in the final analysis, it is their war. They are the ones who have to win it or lose it. We can help them. We can give them equipment. We can send our men out there as advisors, but they have to win it, the people of Vietnam against the communists. But I don't agree with those who say that we should withdraw. That would be a great mistake. 
The United States made this effort to defend Europe. Now Europe is quite secure. We also have to participate. We may not like it in the defense of Asia. Yeah, and that and again, that's the thing is that there was a like there was a a internal conflict between North and South Vietnam going on the entire time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there there was war. This the, the, even though the South Vietnamese government was doing horrific things, at least they weren't communists. Which I don't know if that's like I said a, a viable excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, sixty years later, but that was the situation as it stood. Sure. And I mean, that was September of 1963 when he said that and he died. Oh, and by the way, so right, we, we can make very... parallels between that and the 21st century. Like, you know, I mean, that that same quote could have been said about Afghanistan, right? Like, it is yeah, their that's war. what I thought, too. All right. You want to get to a couple more questions? And then we'll sure. Wrap it up? Therefore, an answer to your question. So this is interesting. Someone asked you, what are your thoughts on the conspiracy that the Kennedys had something to do with Marilyn Monroe's death? Marilyn Monroe's death. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, what she so she so she overdosed on barbiturates, I believe. Um, I I don't think that is the case at all, and the reason being is because it's quite clear that she was addicted to drugs, and it was quite clear that that it was not something like you know it was a pretty common. Marilyn Monroe was a classic example, just like other other young other musicians or whatever who died too young of someone who was so famous that they literally couldn't understand the world around them um, and who from a young age became famous and then existed in a world where everyone knew who they were and they dealt with it with drug use. And some of them survived and became older and, you know, faded into history. And some of them, and some of them died young and became iconic. I think Marilyn Monroe, yeah, I mean, her affair with uh, JFK is salacious and fun to talk about but the idea that she was murdered because of her involvement with jfk i don't know i mean yeah i mean sure is it something i could see joe kennedy doing absolutely the theory is actually that bobby convinced her there's a lot of theories but there's the main one is that bobby kind of convinced her like like said something to her that would have made her so very upset that she would have yeah, yeah, I mean that's spurless at best. But I it's think very that's, that's how I, I think feel that's, about it too. I mean I that's don't know. that's I'm much more inclined to believe that LBJ had something to do with Kennedy's assassination than I am. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Big statement. That is my opinion. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm no, much more inclined. I'm much more inclined to believe that, and I'm, I am Wait, very. Do you believe inclined. that? Actually, I'm. I'm I curious. don't believe that. I do, however, believe. I do think that there. To me, it's always been kind of interesting that Lee Harvey Oswald was killed by Jack Ruby almost immediately after he. You, you like it just. It just doesn't. And then Jack Ruby has very little reason for why he shot. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. You know what I you mean? You need to like, read uh, Dan Abrams' book, Kennedy's Avenger, who, if you haven't heard that interview, I was able to interview about his book. Yes, but you I, should go listen to that episode. I'll send it to you if you want to read it. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm listening through the Warren Commission right now. Oh. Which is very interesting. So I will end up having... You should do a whole series on the Warren Commission. I'm going to. That's why I'm listening to it. But it's hours and hours. I mean, it's going to take a while. And then I actually had a listener message me, which thank you, shout out to you, for messaging me a really great book recommendation. So I'm trying to like really study it to get... Because a lot of people don't even believe the findings of the Warren Commission anyway. So I'm going to try to get a full scope and then we'll see where we go from there. You're welcome to study along with me. And, and you should teach me about the war. Because I I've, I know what the Warren Commission is, but I, that's the extent of the fact that I know that it was named that after... That would be I, fun. What, I think it was named after Earl Warren? Earl Warren, yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, you would be teaching me something, and I could ask you questions. <gasps> Love it. We're going to do that. 
All right. Uh, last question, which I'm going to rephrase this one a little bit because it says for prior, what made you get into the Kennedy family? Cause I, but I know that you're not as fascinated with them as I am or like say even my audience. So I like the Kennedys just fine. I, I mean, sure. like I, 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 I'm not, not into them. No, I, mean, I know. I, I was going to say, I was going to, I think a better phrasing for you for that question would be, what do you find the most interesting about the Kennedys? Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that a presidency of three years is such an incredible, like, has such has had so many different things happen in it. I mean, it's just a presidency of less than a full term had so much intricacy, and and additionally, it's just the mythos. I mean, the 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 mythos of the family, and 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 again, that and again, the like you have two, you you have a family that, I mean just dies mysteriously for no reason, you know, not, not mysteriously, but you know, two brothers assassinated in the same decade, both of whom for different reasons, but like they're they're as far as I'm concerned, the Kennedys are fascinating because of their perpetuation throughout our history of the last hundred years, but also because they are that drama just seems to happen to them. All right. Well, Pryor, once again, thank you so much for teaching us all the things and for joining me. This was all of the of fun. things. Yeah, we, did, we, we had a lot of banter in this one. Hopefully people were cool with that. Too. There's a lot of banter here. Um, there's a lot of good material on which you can make sound bites. Caroline says that she's sorry she came home in the middle of it, but I just think it added no, some nice. No, I'm glad she's here. It adds character and I love her. A couple things I want to announce too. My buddy John Driver's book is finally out. So exciting. So not so black and white. You can get it anywhere books are sold now. I'm going to link it again in the episode description of this podcast. My husband finished it in literally a day and a half on our vacation a couple weeks ago. It's phenomenal. Everyone should read it. So I'm going to link that. I've got my Hyannis Port sweatshirt, among other awesome merch items, which, Brian, when we get off here, I'm going to send you a sweatshirt. You've earned one. So let me know which one you Woo! want. But anyway, it's been that's a little overdue. But anyway, go check out my merch shop. I've got tons of cozy fall things, T-shirts, mugs, sweatshirts, all the things, hoodies. Go get them. I think that's all I got. So I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks again, Ryan. Adios. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Oh, Kennedy! My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.